Chapter 17 Jilin, Rugam, Arka, and a black-bearded Izor emerged from a crevice into the bleak outside world. Patchy clouds blanketed the sky, a glimmer of sun shining through, and the air was calm. It seems warmer out here than inside, thought Rugam. Blast! It is warmer! The six faithful ravens stalked over to greet Jilin and Rugam. Loana and Alsinam were the most pleased because their masters had appeared, and Rugam and Jilin boarded them. A pair of swans sailed in from another direction, and the Izors climbed on. Wait here for your masters, Rugam told the other ravens. They'll soon be here. The four birds lifted off, the swans taking the lead and heading southwest. As land receded behind, the unique party passed over a wide expanse of choppy water, only an occasional ship punctuating its gray surface. They flew for a considerable time, the Izors appearing to be in communication with each other, but not speaking a word. Finally, Arka turned toward the visitors, pointing ahead and projecting her thoughts. There, both Jilin and Rugam heard. The vessel? A small craft was plowing through the water, nothing else around. She gestured downward. We'll wait upon the water and keep the vessel in sight. You proceed to it. We descend, Rugam called to Jilin. At long last, our time has come. It was early February, and Vanity was bringing in a plentiful catch of crab, but nothing like the first two weeks of the now-famous stroke of luck, as Bailey called it, during the salmon season, when they outfished their competitors by four to one. Thereafter, it was only two to one. Bailey would have liked to continue raking it in at the first rate, but pressure from authorities and other boats was immense, his vessel being searched many times with nothing ever found. Caving in to the intense scrutiny, Bailey pulled back, instructing Till to be less persuasive inviting fish and later crab so he'd be left alone. Everyone knew he was doing something. No one had the slightest idea what. In winter, some boats went into dry dock, but larger ones like Vanity remained active, and the way Vanity was going, Bailey had no intention of resting on his laurels. He was having fun and making money hand over fist. The crew made better salaries than they could on any other boat. Tim Driscoll put money down on a townhouse, something he never dreamed possible at this stage of life. Other crew members also spending unexpected windfalls. But Bailey profited the most. On this early winter's morning, to the crew's surprise, two large blackbirds landed on the cabin's roof, uncharacteristically remaining there standing and shifting their feet in the cold, as if waiting for something to happen. No fish for you, called one of the crew over his shoulder. Toss them some crab, said Tim. We got plenty. They're ravens. They'll eat anything. Pieces were thrown atop the cabin. Amazingly, the birds didn't pick them up, standing their ground, tossing their heads, breeze ruffling their feathers. Inside, Bailey overheard what was happening and went on deck to take a look seeing the two ravens on top of the cabin. Get on with your duties, lads, he told the crew. Leaning back against a railing, he observed the birds, curious why they were there and why they didn't touch the crab. Taking a last look, he headed inside. Back at the helm, he glanced at Till's box and chuckled. <sighs> I gotta think of something better for the sprite to do. Something more, uh, profitable. After landing on the highest part of the boat, Jilin and Rugam dismounted. Find the lad, 
whispered Ruggum. Look beside the steering wheel. The island and I remain here unless we're forced to leave. If that happens, stay out of harm's way, bide your time, and we'll be back. With the boat rising and falling on the waves, Gilan worked his way to the roof's rear border. Humans on the deck below were glancing at the ravens. One tossed a fragment of something toward Ruggum. It landed harmlessly near the birds, Gilan having no idea what it was. Climbing down the side of the cabin to the deck, he waited for the immense door to open. Soon, a huge bearded man emerged, and Gilan scurried inside before the door closed. He gazed about. No one was there. On the opposite side of the cabin was the steering wheel. Crossing the floor, he scrambled to the top of the wooden cabinet housing the steering mechanism. There was Till's cage. Crouching down, Gilan gazed into it. Lying on the floor was the ailing lad. Till, whispered Gilan. He went on and Ruvan. Can you hear me? I've come to help. No answer came. Till was only a shadow of his former self. Exhausted, forlorn, and alone. He had long since given up hope, his bright eyes dim and sunken, his brow lined. Half asleep and dreaming of his companion Suri, he imagined hearing his name, but it was not in her voice, and then words came in Ruvan. A new chapter in my nightmare, he thought. Standing up, Gilan made a quick assessment of the container. He felt the slats and examined the ends. There appeared no way for him to get in or Till to escape. Gilan kneeled down. Opening his eyes, Till caught sight of Gilan and began to stir. Coming to life, he struggled to sit up. Are you real? He breathed in Ruvan. Viewing Till's appalling situation firsthand, Gilan was infuriated. Yes, and I'm here to get you out. I can't get out, and doubt you can get in. The cabin door opened. The captain entered and slammed it closed. Coming forward, he stopped and put a hand on the steering wheel. Incensed and unafraid, Gilan went into action, eager to confront this human, as he had Nathan Perry during the first expedition. He stood up on top of the cabinet. Being so close to the bearded giant, he wavered. Reaching into his satchel, he cautiously slid out the calamar. Smooth, gleaming, and a disc-like, it was the size of his palm. I've done this before, he assured himself, and then I was visible. I'm not now and can easily evade the human. Ruggum's nearby. It's the only way to save Till. It's why we came. I am a Kieran, Bailey heard in perfect English. He staggered backward. His awkward movement startled Gilan, who darted behind a stack of books, then peered out. Astounded, Bailey stood his ground, staring wide-eyed at the place the voice had come from. Remaining quiet, Gilan studied the human. Then, appalled by Till's circumstances and emboldened by anger, he stepped out and spoke again. I'm Gilan of the Moger clan. One of my kind is imprisoned here. I've come a great distance to free him. He is here, said Bailey in a throaty voice. We can talk about it. He's being wrongfully held. Never thought about it that way. Just trying to catch crab and make a living like everyone else. You must release him. You have no right to keep him. Bailey leaned forward. Just might do that since you've come all this way to get him. 
I've talked with humans before, said Jilin, confidence building. In the past, our races cooperated. I come from a tree-dwelling clan. Quick as a flash, Bailey made a grab and caught Jilin's body in his hand. Another forest sprite, he crowed. Cooperated, eh? Couldn't be better. You'll cooperate with me now. We'll have double power catching fish. Or we can split you up and have two boats. Or find more of you and have a fleet. <laughs> he laughed. Uh, <laughs> now what will I do with you? I know. With a squirming, protesting Jilin in hand, he took two steps down the companionway stairs to the forward cabin. Finding a toolbox with his free hand, he took out a small hammer and a screwdriver. He stuffed them into his coat pocket, then found a few small nails. Going back to the main cabin, he put everything on the table, then reached over and picked up Till's crate. Sitting down with Jilin in one hand and the box between his knees, he wedged the screwdriver between the wooden parts at the end and pried it open, stuffing Jilin quickly inside. Closing it and holding it shut, he set the cage on the table, picked up the hammer, and nailed it tightly closed. Holding the container in front of him, he grinned and cackled. <laughs> well, well, Melville, my luck's doubled. Double trouble for everyone else. Two of you in there, a double whammy. He paused, then growled. How did you get in here? You haven't been here all along, I know that. How'd you get on this boat? Then he remembered the ravens. Rugum was surprised when the humans threw fragments, appearing to be flesh, toward the ravens. He signaled the birds not to touch them, but intent on observing Jilin, he went to the rear of the roof and peered over, seeing the lad hurrying through an open door. Moving quickly to the front of the roof, Rugum climbed partway down the wooden frame of a slanting window, then viewed the cabin's interior. Jilin was near the door in back, looking about. After crossing the floor, he momentarily went out of Rugum's sight, then reappeared, climbing over the edge of a counter by the steering wheel. A box was there, and Jilin perused it, then appeared to be talking. Doubtless to Till, thought Rugum, inside it. The bearded human entered and approached the wheel, and Jilin addressed the huge being. Then, to Rugum's horror, his companion was captured and crammed into the cage. Rugum was shocked and enraged. What in blazes can I do, Jilin lad? What have we gotten you into? The bearded man put the box on the counter and headed for the rear deck. Hearing the door slam, Rugum saw the man's eyes above roof level staring at the ravens. Climbing a few stairs adjacent to the cabin, he edged his way along the exterior walkway toward the birds. Hastening toward Al-Saddam, Rugum leapt aboard, giving a sign for takeoff and signaling Loana to follow. With her master not there, Loana hesitated. Anyone here? snarled the bearded man, Al-Saddam taking flight. Any sprites? Grabbing for Loana, he missed her by an inch and she fluttered away. Lifting off, she joined Al-Saddam in the air and they gained altitude. Fearing gunfire from the human, as he had encountered during flight in the previous quest, Rugum fled with the ravens as fast as he could. As they distanced themselves from the vessel, he looked back. The loathsome captain was watching the birds depart, and an overpowering response surged through Rugum, hatred deeper than a Kieran had felt toward a human in centuries. As he flew on, his anger only burgeoned. I will face you once more, you unspeakable savage. 
Jilin and Tell will be liberated, and from you, I will exact perfect revenge. <laughs>